It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the September first, two thousand eleven edition of the Virtual Bible Study. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you as always on Thursday night. And we have a new person in between the two of us tonight. My father-in-law Nick Law from Jennings, Florida, is here. Hello, Nick. Hello, good to be with you all. Good to be with you. Nick often listens and participates uh, from Florida on the virtual Bible study. It's always good when he's in town, we get to get him live th- and in person. I think we actually helped Nick with his insomnia problem on Thursday nights. They're an hour <laughs> ahead of us. Yes, yeah, so I don't think like, he makes it to the end. Do you, do you Nick, ever make it to Most the of the time, I'll okay. make it to the end. <laughs> all right, well, Occasionally if I you down. better tonight or you'll be in trouble. Uh, the number to call is 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeu.com. And join in the chat room with other listeners if you're watching us in the live edition tonight. If you're listening to us in the archive edition, we encourage your comments at any time. Send them to questions at collegeview.com or you can give us a call, 877-381-4567. That number is toll free. Well, we have an interesting program planned for tonight. Jacob, I, I got to looking through our archives and found a, a maybe a little uh, spot that we had neglected over six-plus years of the virtual Bible study. I didn't find anything in there on demons or demon possession. You didn't. And I found just one uh, brief reference to angels. And so I thought... So we're, we're deficient. Maybe a little deficient on talking about demons and angels. Of course, they are both rather obscure uh, subjects in the scriptures. And so there's, there is some minimal information. we got to go with what we got from the scriptures. But... Uh, uh, it is the reason I think that we should cover it is because both demons and angels hold great interest for lots of people. Now, you mentioned angels in particular. People just really want to know about angels. We're going we're gonna to answer all the questions about angels tonight, right? No, we're not going to answer them all because I don't think we have all the information. We're going to talk about what we do know. What we do know. And in that fact, will help us to feel better if we can uh, sort of catalog the things we do know about uh, both demons and angels. In fact, uh, I, I might read quickly an email we got from Kevin in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He said there is little information about either of these creatures, demons and angels. Uh, since there is little information about either of these creatures, many movies are made with a small amount of what is known and with a great amount of imagination. Therefore, much of what people supposedly know about these is in the imaginary part of what is portrayed in those movies. Yeah. So he said, let's just focus on those items that we know about uh, from the Word of God. I agree with that, Kevin. I think that's exactly right. I had his email at the top of the list tonight as too. I thought it did set the tone that we wanted to follow on the program tonight. And And then another preliminary email from our friend Phil in Indiana says, thanks for your choice of topics other than an interesting topic for Bible study and discussion in Bible classes. I guess I treated demons as not very relevant to the concerns of my life until I went to Africa. Phil's made some preaching trips to Africa. Mm. He said, only slightly below the surface, there's a widespread belief in demons, spirits, and witchcraft. These beliefs play a very significant role in the lives of many people, and so he looks forward to the study. Well, we appreciate you listening, Phil, and uh, we look forward to 
hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com on some questions that you posed earlier in the day. Well, here's the questions that we sent out to our update to our update list this afternoon. We always remind you, you can get on that list, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Put add me to the list uh, in, in the subject line, and we will do that. To our update list uh, recipients, we sent out these questions. Number one, did demons really exist in Bible times, or was this merely an explanation offered by unlearned and superstitious people for emotional uh, and emotional maladies that they couldn't explain? Mm. In other words, people got sick. Maybe people had mental disorders, and they couldn't be explained. And so these superstitious people back then, they didn't know much. They were pretty unlearned and uneducated. They just dreamed up the idea of demons to explain those things that they couldn't explain otherwise. That, that, mm. that explanation is offered. Is that the true explanation, or was demon possession a real phenomenon back in those times? We'll talk about it. Now, the follow-up to that is, do demons still possess people today? Mm-hmm. In other words, if it, if it, was it or was it not so in the first century, and is it so today? Okay. We want to talk about that. So that, that's uh, what we want to talk about with demons. And then... Uh, as a follow-up, what do we know about angels? Mm. What is the information we know about angels? Their number, their name, their rank, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then a question I think that just intrigues lots of people is, are there guardian angels, mm. so-called guardian angels? We hear a lot about that. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I think, as Kevin mentioned in his email, there's been movies and TV shows made with the idea that they're, you know, guardian angels. What about that? All right. So we'll talk about that. Four questions for your consideration tonight at 877-381-4567. Email us your answers to questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room is filling up tonight. Uh, Sign in there in the chat room. Kevin's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I think David's in Michigan. Sharon's in South Carolina. And uh, you can join in as well uh, with our other listeners on the program tonight. Well, let's start off with demons. Do demons really exist in Bible times or was this just an explanation for by people who really didn't know what was going on, and so they just said, "Well, it's a demon." Yeah, well, that sounds that sounds like a pretty good excuse to me. You know, if I'm a, if I don't know what it is. It's well, you know, some of the things um, that we read that that demon possessed people, some of the things they did, some of the symptoms they manifested, do sound. I mean, admittedly, sound like they could have been a, a physical disorder or some kind of emotional or mental disorder. Uh, I, I, wrote, I got a few of them here. Uh, Matthew nine thirty two. They went out. Behold, they brought him, brought to him, brought to Jesus a dumb man possessed with it. No, it's not talking about his intellect there. No, it's talking he couldn't speak. He couldn't Here's speak. He's mute. He's a mute. Yeah. Uh, Matthew twelve twenty two. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. So here's a man with blindness. Yeah, it's and, some kind of speech impediment, and he couldn't speak. And then here's one that sounds sort of like uh, maybe epilepsy. Okay. Uh, Mark 9, beginning verse 17, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. Mm. You know, so, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners may have experience with people who have a terrible epileptic seizures. Nick, Nick has experienced that, I think. Nick, you I mean you, you've seen people who have had seizures and uh, yeah, I've it, seen people that have seizures. Uh, just but uh, the ones I've been associated with usually had other 
problems. Uh, I had a cousin that had a tumor mm -hmm. that uh, had really affected him badly along with medication he was taking. Okay. Well, so, Nick, uh, you know, people back then, they, did, they wouldn't have known maybe this fellow has a brain tumor. That's correct. And, and so they said, well, it's an it's a, it's a evil spirit in him. He's, he's demon-possessed. Right. Makes sense to me. Well, that's how they might argue. Right. I mean, that, right. That, that's the modern modernistic explanation of right. that, um, and and so I think we got to be prepared to deal with it. And uh, I think that there's some problems, some clear problems. I mean, although that might sound logical on the surface, there's some clear problems with that explanation. What are some problems you see with that explanation? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six. Yeah, I'd be glad to get your. Uh, Info in the chat room. We haven't. Met, we might have. Oh, some I don't think so. I think we're. Well, I mean, maybe they're having problems on their end, but I think it's great. I hear you. You're, you sound great. Tonight. Are we getting out? If, if you're yeah. listening in the chat room, let us know. Uh, Dan, can you hear us, Dan? You, Dan can hear. Dan's behind the controls. Dan's on the controls. We, we sound great, don't we, Dan? No, I can't hear you. Dan can't hear us tonight. Oh, man. we do have problems. All right. Uh, some problems with the with that view that we just expressed, and I hope everybody understands. We're just expressing what the modernist says because the modernist. Uh, the modernist tries to explain away everything miraculous in the Bible with some kind of naturalistic explanation. Say it wasn't really a miracle. Jesus wasn't really performing a miracle when he cast these so-called demons out of people. There's a no normal explanation for it. Well, the, the problem with that is, we don't, we don't believe that, obviously. The problem is there are several places in the Scripture where demon-possessed people are, are contrasted with or distinguished from people who ha did have physical disorders okay. uh, and diseases. For instance, Mark 1, verse 32, At even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed of the devils. So th there you see a distinguishing between people who were sick, people who had diseases, and people who had uh, demons. The same thing in Luke 6, 17 and 18. A great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Mm -hmm. There again, you see two classes of people, the, the diseased right. and the demon-possessed. Okay. So, so first problem I think that you see with that view is it, it, it's not consistent in the Scripture. So uh, what you're saying is that the people in that time knew enough to know that there was a difference. Yeah. Okay. Now, another problem that we've got here is that... Uh, in the Bible accounts, the spirits indicated, I mean, the spirits indicated their distinct identity from the people that they possessed, and they talked about things they knew that men would not have known. Uh, for instance, Mark 1, 23 and 24, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So this demon in the man was distinct from the man. From the man and spoke with knowledge of who Jesus was and what Jesus' purposes were. Mm, okay. Uh, you, you see uh, the same thing in Acts 19, um, beginning verse 13. Uh, certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You know, there, there again, the, the demon uh, 
knew of Jesus and Paul. Uh, so th- th- this 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 doesn't this doesn't line up with somebody who's got epilepsy right. or somebody who's got a mental disorder of some sort or another. Right. It just doesn't fit. Okay. And then maybe one of the best known episodes is in Matthew eight, beginning verse twenty eight. Yeah. When Jesus was come to the other side of the country, the Gergesenes. There met him two possessed with the devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and perished in the waters. Now, get this. If this was a mental disorder that these two fellows had, or some kind of physical disease or, or disorder that they, they were suffering under, what about the swine? How, how is it that, the first of all, the demons spoke to Jesus, acknowledged him, knew who he was, knew what his purposes were, and then when they came out of the, man, uh, of the men who were possessed, they went into the swine, and the swine ran off and down the hill and into the water. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. It doesn't fit. I mean, no. and so the the modernistic explanation that these were just the stu- superstitious views of people, it doesn't work. That explanation doesn't work. Anthony in the chat room makes an interesting observation. He says, if demon possession was not real, then Jesus was a fraud and his disciples. That's interesting. That, that this modernistic explanation that you you have presented, it does put uh, Jesus and his disciples in a bad light if it is true. I think that is the main argument that Anthony has hit upon. I think the main problem with this modernistic explanation is that it would make Jesus a, a fake and a liar. Because he, if it was so that this was just superstition, right? then Jesus was playing on the superstitious fears of the people of the time, to, trying to use that to, somehow to his advantage to get people to look up to him. And, and that would go exactly against what... Peter said of Jesus, 1 Peter 2.22, he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Peter said he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The word guile means craft, deceit, or subtlety. And, and that's exactly what Jesus would have been doing. He would have been engaged in subtlety and deceit. trying to. He knew better, but he was playing upon the superstitious fears of the people to try and get them to think more of it. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The number email address to use is questions at collegeu.com. We'll take a break. And on the other side of the break, we'll ask the questions, do demons still possess people today? But I must tell you, you're taking a little bit of heat for your uh, first question. Do demons really exist in Bible times? Steve has called you on that, and Alan has as well. He says, I know what you mean by Bible times, but I cringe a little bit when I hear the phrase. We are in Bible times uh, today, he says. Okay, well, uh, you I, meant, I, you I meant about that, the time. The, 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 the times written about in the Bible. Bible his, yeah, okay. The, 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 the times of which the Bible writes. All right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're talking about. And I think and, and Alan understands, and I think okay. we do as well. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. 
Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here are some quotes worth pondering. Nothing is easier than saying words. Nothing is harder than living them day after day. The chief cause of failure and unhappiness is trading what we want most for what we want at the moment. No man is free who is not master of himself. He who lives without discipline dies without honor. Man, I wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we are back on the program tonight as we talk about demons and angels, and we're asking the question, do demons still possess people today? Yes or no? Why or why not? Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight. Uh, quickly, you can just answer yes or no. Do demons still possess people today? Alan in the chat room asked the question, if demon possession bears no physical attributes, what exactly is the downside of demon possession? If I'm not sure I understand that comment. I don't know. Maybe you can follow Alan, up. Give us, a little, give us a little more he on says, that. He says he's asking tongue-in-cheek but half serious, and so maybe you can give us some more explanation of what you're asking for there. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I, I, give us, give us I mean, a little I think, more. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the downside is pretty, pretty clear, though, when the guy's sitting there foaming at the mouth and they're binding him with chains and he's yeah. breaking loose. I think, Nick, uh, that would pr- probably be fairly unpleasant for me. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, if, you, if you see people that uh, are described that way, even with sicknesses today, it, you know, makes you uneasy and... Uh, but, that, but, but the kind of things that were described there, you know, you, they, they bust out of chains, they... Social outcast. So I mean, they would they were fierce. They kept people from passing by on that particular stretch of road. I mean, that would be a scary thing for sure. Um, and definitely, the people of that time would have taken notice, and they would have taken notice that nothing could nothing could be done to control these men. But right. Jesus came, and suddenly they're well. And and I'm sure people were very afraid that oh, I might be possessed of a demon someday. You know. I mean, that, well, that'd be here, a fearful thing. Sort of like you might be having cancer or something. I hope I don't get cancer. I hope I don't get a demon. Here's the thing. If it was, let's say it was uh, just some uh, maybe a mental disorder or epilepsy. How was it that Jesus instantaneously healed them of those things? Right. In other words, that, that's not being explained. If, if, if the monitors are saying this is just a superstitious explanation for something they didn't understand, they still got to deal with the fact that Jesus put a stop to it instantaneously when he when he confronted them. And, and if it's just epilepsy, people still have control, trouble controlling epilepsy. If it's epilepsy, epilepsy or a brain tumor or something like that, how did Jesus make it go away right. instantaneously? Right. You get, so you, so they, they, you they get yourself coming and going. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't solved their dilemma, really, with that explanation. All right. Now, um, John asked a question. Did the demons cause the people to sin, or was it simply causing them to act crazy? Uh... I don't know. I don't have anything here of the sin. Although know. the man was, some of them didn't wear clothes, and so maybe they were and, they, and they were violent, and they were violent. Yeah. I don't know. I had never thought of that, John. Maybe some people in the chat room deal with that question. We got a, uh, an email from David who answers yes to question one: Did demons really exist in Bible times? Yes, and he he gives reference to some of the same episodes that we already referenced from the scriptures. Now, the second question, which I think is critical. Uh, is do people do demons still possess people today? David says no, unless a person becomes a slave to Satan, commits mass murder, terrorist. He's acting like he's demon possessed. Well, a person might act like he's demon possessed, but but 
are there really demons possessing people against their will, causing them to do things? In other words, these demons that we just read about in the scriptures actually overtook the person and caused them to do things against their will. If, if I become a real sinful person, I'm still a person of free moral choice. I'm making this. If I go out and drink and carouse and steal and lie and kill, uh, I mean, I'm doing that as an act of my will. Mm-hmm. But these demons-possessed people were, were forced to do things that were not according to their own will. Kevin says, was it, or was it sin to them since the demon was causing the action? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure we can address that. Okay, I, so we're talking about I'm not what sure, we know. I'm not sure we John, can address John the question has, of accountability. John has jumped into the realm of the unknown tonight, and we're now, not yeah, doing that. Because we don't know. Yeah. I don't think the scriptures address the Nick, any thoughts on the accountability of those people who were uh, afflicted with the demons? No, not, not that I remember. I just know that uh, the power that the demons had seemed to be beyond what the, a normal human being could do, as you mentioned, uh, bind him with change, and he could break them and get out of them, and then... Uh, it mentions when Jesus did heal them, they were in their right mind. So that would suggest the idea that uh, they they were not uh, possibly uh, thinking uh, the way a normal human being would be thinking. All right, John Jesus, says he I would. Say. John says he would say they would not have been accountable. The sin was not their willful choice. I Anthony think, I agrees. Think I, I think that's right. All right, uh, we've got an email from Chris in West Tennessee who says. I believe that demons were real because, first of all, neither Jesus nor his apostles ever stated that they did not exist or that people were mistaken. Also, the demons enabled the people that they were possessed to know things about Jesus like he was the Son of God. Also, James stated that even the demons believed and trembled, James 2.19. And then he goes on to the next question. Are there demons today? I think Zechariah 13.2 addresses that question as well as that of whether or not there are prophets today. I hope this helps. Uh, And I think... Chris is on the right target on, on Zechariah 13, verses 1 and 2. Let me read that to you. Now, this goes to the question, <clears throat> are there demons possessing men today? Zechariah 13, beginning verse 1. In that day, so he speaks of a certain time, okay. there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and uh-huh. to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Okay. So, in a certain, so he's talking about a time when... Forgiveness is a means of salvation is going to be extended. He's talking about the coming of the Messiah, the salvation through Jesus Christ. It shall come to pass in that day and in that same time frame, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land, and they shall no more be remembered. And I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Mm -hmm. So I think Zechariah thirteen one and two is telling us that in the time frame of Jesus coming to extend salvation to mankind, God would bring an end to both the evil spirits and the prophets. We believe that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit also ended in that same time frame as well. And I think Zechariah 13, 1 and 2 is identifying that. All right. Uh, there is certainly a time coming, according to Zechariah, in which uh, these unclean spirits, these demons, would be done away with. And uh, that time is in uh, conjunction with salvation uh, that the Lord was making possible. And so it does make sense, as you said, that this time would end in the first century. What are your thoughts? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, Anthony, in, who's in Florida, writes, I have heard a preacher in the church teach that demons do possess people today. He gave the example of Hitler, for instance. I have a major issue with that. There's lots that can be said about it, but one main point is that if demons possess people today, then there must exist miracle-working exorcists to drive them out. If not, then we are powerless against evil spirits. 
Unfortunately, the Catholic Church apparently holds to the idea of both demon possession and exorcism. But we know from a study of miracles and spiritual gifts in the scriptures that no such power exists today. Therefore, demons cannot possibly possess men today, in my view. And I think Anthony is spot on there as well. During the time when demons possessed men, God empowered his servants to cast out demons. And in that way, God was showing his power greater than that of Satan. But, it, but we know that God no longer gives miraculous spirit. Uh, powers of the Holy Spirit, as we have studied many times on the virtual Bible study. And so, as Anthony accurately said, if if demons still possess men, then Satan would have capacity to demonstrate a power greater than that power that God is demonstrating. And so I don't think that that works either. Okay. Interesting perspective. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts. Anthony is in the chat room tonight. He says he thinks Matthew 8.29 possibly refers to Zechariah 13. What about that? Matthew eight twenty nine. Oh, you got it? You got it up? Yeah, Matthew eight twenty nine. Behold, they cried out, saying, What do we have to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And I think Anthony is focusing on the phrase there, before the time. Perhaps the demons knew uh, that the time was coming. Which, when they couldn't exercise yeah. that power. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe so. That, yeah. might, that might be what that Nick, means. Nick, your thoughts about that? on that expression? Well, as I think about Zechariah in particular, it, it's showing that there would be prophets passing out of the land at the same in that day when there would be unclean spirits. I know that Peter says we're going to have uh, false prophets until the Lord comes again. So uh, it seems to coincide with the spiritual gifts that were given uh, to men by Jesus and uh, the the power that we see that he had in, get, in being able to cast out the unclean spirits that were in the land, showing his power over demons showing his power greater than uh, just ordinary men had. And then when the uh, prophecies, uh, that is, true prophecies, have been completed in the New Testament and uh, the New Testament has been written down for us, it seems that would be the time when both true prophets and uh, unclean spirits would pass out of the land, according to Zechariah. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, Anthony uh, follows up. He says he's not sure he could prove it that that before the time is referring to that, but he thinks it's interesting conjecture, perhaps. All right, real quickly before we get to our halftime break here, Jacob, we've got a, a longer email from Stephen in Georgia. Uh, it's it's long, and uh, but I want to read it quickly because I think Stephen is guilty of doing what we said at the outset. He, he's he's launched off into conjecture, uh, which is is not based upon provable facts from scripture so okay. i mean i think stephen's in the chat room but stephen i got to disagree with a lot of your conclusions here but i'm going to read your email he says you brethren have taken on a difficult topic unless one is willing to follow the facts we have and not be fearful of the answers then only speculation tradition and conjecture will follow well as, uh, as, as you listen now to what else stephen has written i want you to bear in mind that he has gone beyond the facts with lots of speculation tradition and conjecture he says the answer to the question, did demons really exist in the Bible times, uh, I might mention we are still in Bible times today, starts with Genesis chapter 6. Historically, there have been three interpretations of who or what were the sons of God uh, there in that verse in chapter 6 of Genesis. Let, let me read that real quick so we get so we get the idea because he's going to base his argument on Genesis 6. Yeah. Genesis 6 says in verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. 
And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. All right. Now, <clears throat> Stephen says there are three interpretations of who or what are the sons of God in that text. The term is only found five other times in the Old Testament. He lists them. And even a casual reading indicates that the sons of God were angels. I don't agree. I don't agree, but uh, let's keep going. This is, of course, the correct interpretation. The least favorable interpretation put forth by some Jews is that they were nobles or magnates. No one today believes this. The other interpretation is that they were the descendants of the line of Seth, i.e., the godly line, thus the sons of God, uh, making the daughters of men the descendants of supposedly ungodly line of Cain. There were many insurmountable problems with this theory, not the least of which is that if this were so, would God not have just said so in the text? Another problem, excuse me for stating the obvious, is that this would sort of nullify these men as the godly men of the day, would it not? Scripture says that these women were considered beautiful. I just read that uh, there where it says the daughters were born to them. They, the, they saw that they were fair, uh, Genesis 6, verse 2. Uh, uh, are you telling me that the godly women were ugly and being passed over by godly men because the hookers were pretty? The most serious problem arises when we examine the offspring of these marriages. The word used to describe these children is Nephilim. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't, he, he says to fall, giants are fallen ones. He says, I don't care how godly or ungodly these descendants of Seth and Cain were. You don't give birth to giants who were before the flood and after the flood because God said seed after their kind. Two humans can only beget human. Another proof of who these sons of God were and explains what they were doing is found in Jude 6 through 8. The angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. That's not the exact wording there. Uh, he's paraphrased that. He, he has kept in eternal bonds under the darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, Sodom and Gomorrah, in the same way as these fallen angels indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. The text does not say that the angels went after strange flesh. Correct. Uh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. The whole situation in Genesis 6 was Satan's first attempt to foil God's plan as announced in the garden in Genesis 3. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman Eve and between your seed and her seed. Uh, he shall bruise you on the head. That implies a fatal wound. You shall bruise him, Jesus, on the heel. By the mingling of the angelic DNA early on, uh, before to too many people were on the earth, Satan would have prevented this seed from being born. He was almost successful. Only eight pure seed were left. In Genesis mm. 6, 9, the generation mm. of Noah and his family were pronounced to be blameless, and God started over with this gene pool. All the hybrid half-breeds whose fathers were angels and mothers were human died in the flood. These spirit beings were not sent to Hades, but remained as disembodied spirits that we call today demons. This was the understanding of early church, uh, in the early church, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, and so forth. He lists several. It says you can read about it. It gives a reference. Yeah. These spirits were all too uh, amenable. I mean, these, these spirits were all too amenable to take over a body back in the day. This phenomenon was only allowed to happen during the first century to show the people the greatness of the Christ power over the evil powers. As long as the operation of the Holy Spirit was active on the earth uh, in the early church, the demons continued with their activity of inhabiting bodies. Since we no longer exercise that power today, then no, people today cannot be demon-possessed. This is not to say that one cannot be demon-led or guided. 
so he, he agrees with us. There's Boy, no, demon possession, no demon possession today. But okay. I, I got, as I said, with all due respect, I, I seriously disagree with those conclusions. Uh, it's interesting that uh, the offspring of this, if this was an angel and a demon uh, producing offspring, it's interesting in verse 4 that they are referred to as men. And also in verse six, uh, 5, God saw the wickedness of man that was great on earth. He has some type of mongrel, half-breed and he, and it says God uh, repented. mutant. It said it repented the Lord that he had made man. It doesn't say, it doesn't say I'm mad at man and I'm mad at the angels too. I'm mad at the angels and the demons because they created some kind of creature that I didn't hybrid. want. Uh, hybrid creature. Half-breeds. No, he's upset with what he had created himself. It doesn't make any sense and, but, uh, and, and the idea is wrong. In the past when I studied this, I put down some notes as to why I think that all that argument that Stephen presents is, is, of course, it's grossly speculative, not based upon the facts as we know them in the scriptures. Uh, there's nothing in the scriptures that would support the conclusion. Angels, all we know about angels is what Jesus said in Matthew 22:30. They neither marry nor are given in marriage. Uh, uh, and so the suggestion is that these angels possess human sexual desire. They're heavenly beings, but they supposedly have human sexual desire. Jesus said they don't. They're neither married nor given in marriage. Mm-hmm. It also, if you think about this in a way, if that scenario is true, that the angels bred human women and gave birth to hybrid offspring, then that actually diminishes the uniqueness of the virgin birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus stands true. uniquely as true. the only birth of a, of, a, of a human who didn't have a, a human father and a human mother. Mm. It's interesting. And so to say that there was a whole world full of people who were born to a human mother but a heavenly being as an angel, I think this seriously attacks the uniqueness of the, of the virgin birth of Jesus. I think, I think the answer to it is go back to Genesis 4, verse 26. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, uh, it says, To Seth was born a son he called him enos then began men to call upon the name of the lord the sons of god were those who called upon the name of the lord those who served god but the world became so corrupt in noah's day that even those sons of god were now abandoning their faithful service to god and joining in with the daughters of men with the people of the world and they had lost their faithful service to god as well and the only one that was found uh, that found grace in the eyes of the Lord was Noah. Now, does, six verse eight. Does the term giant imply that they are not human? Well, he said that all got killed off in the flood. But if I remember right, Goliath, David and Goliath was well after the flood. The giants prevailed after the flood. They were just big men, big guys. But it doesn't say that they were the the offspring of angels and, okay, and mutant and creature, human women. All right, we're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point. Uh, we're way overdue. And we'll give you the time during that uh, that bullet point to get your thoughts together and to send them in in the chat room over email or over the phone tonight. We hope you stay where you are. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our kids learn from us. Hopefully they learn good things from the positive ideals and examples that we set before them. Unfortunately, they definitely learned bad things from our sinful attitudes and deeds. I once knew of a large extended family that always gathered for Sunday dinner after the worship services. The grandparents and parents were Christians, and there were a number of children in the group. 
It so happens that this family was very negative and bitter toward various other Christians and toward the church generally. Their family meals turned out to be regular and constant gripe sessions about the congregation and the people in it. As time went on, not a single one of those grandchildren ever became a Christian. I've spent some time wondering why. There are no doubt a number of contributing circumstances, but it seems certain that one big factor was the continual bombardment of negativism that these kids received from their parents and grandparents. After all, why would these young people want to be a part of something that was so bad, at least by their parents' and grandparents' description? Do you see what we mean? We realize there are no perfect Christians and no perfect congregations. Problems will come up. These problems will have to be addressed. But let's be sure we handle these problems as the Lord has commanded, being careful to avoid all malice, hatred, and bitterness toward others. And take all precautions to shield your children from the negative attitudes that could potentially hinder them from wanting to take up their place in the Lord's church and in His service. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. If you are listening to us in the archive version, we appreciate you listening. We understand that most of our listeners are catching us in the archive version because uh, maybe it's too hard for you to make time on your schedule on Thursday evenings to catch us live. If you can catch us live, we do appreciate that, and we appreciate the assistance live during the program. But if you are listening to us in the archive version, we're glad that you're listening, and we do welcome your comments at any time. Perhaps you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study for a topic. We would encourage you to send that in for consideration. We're talking about demons and angels on the program tonight. We've Have we beat the demon dead horse to death? Well, there's a lot to say about it, but, but uh, I guess a lot in answer to speculations about demons. But I think we've covered what the Bible says, the information that we know from the Bible. So uh, let's move to the other half of our questions. Our, our, sec- our, our, our second half questions, Jacob, have to do with angels. What facts do we know about angels? And are there guardian angels? Mm. I think that's particularly interesting to people. All right. What do you know about angels? Let us know. 877-381-4567. The number's toll-free tonight. Why not give us a call? Uh, John, in the chat room, back to our discussion, uh, says Arnold Murray of the Shepherd's Chapel. I'm not familiar with him. Apparently, he's well-known. He has some really wild theories regarding Genesis as well as the discussions of demons and angels. He said the other morning... Uh, on, apparently on his program, that manna was angel food which God fed to Israel. Was that a cake or something? Now, what, what chapter and verse was that? Yeah. Angel food cake. Oh, cake. Yeah. It was, Maybe that's what it was white, wasn't it? And yeah. sweet like honey. What? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and Kevin asked the same question. Where's that book chapter and verse for us, please? Yeah, yeah. exactly okay. right. So what do we know about angels? Well, first of all, angels are created beings. I would conclude that from Colossians 1.16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And so I've, uh, angels are created beings. Uh, the only eternal beings are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They yeah. possess the characteristics of deity. Deity is eternal without beginning or end. Uh, no, no point in which they did not exist uh, either in the past or the future. that That's a characteristic of deity. Angels don't possess that characteristic. They were they, created beings. They are created beings. All right. Uh, they Where do they fall in? If they are created, is there a certain order they fall in in the creation? 
Well, uh, Hebrews addresses that uh, and tells us that angels are higher in rank than men, but lower in rank than God. Explain that. Well, just, how do you, how just, do you just, get to that? Well, Hebrews one thirteen: To which of the angels said he at any time sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? That's what God said to his son. Okay. But even clearer, in chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he might, by the grace of God, taste death for every man. So in, when Jesus took on human form, he, he was a little lower than the angels. Humans oh, are a little lower than the angels. Oh, there you go. So if you have to become lower than angels to be a human, human. Yeah. so therefore humans... And angels are between God and human in their in, rank, in, in of rank, some type of. And, and I don't even know how to describe that, rank? that ranking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but in other words, there, there's something about angels that suggests that they are at a higher plane than we are. Uh, maybe concerning their capabilities, their knowledge. I, I don't know all the things that might. Do you go know into what that, that is? Do you know what the difference in rank is, Nick? Would you? How would you explain it? Made a little lower than the angels. Well. Uh, I would just say that God is, of course, uh, on, <laughs> is is the highest order the of things, right. and then man is going to be lower, and in, angels in rank, and with angels. With, but would but be I, I, don't you think between. don't you think that would have to involve that they they know more than we know? I mean, they've been in the presence of God. We've never been in the presence of God in heaven, and so I mean, there's several things about angels. I don't know all the things that might go into saying that they are higher than men. Men are a little lower than the angels, but that's clearly what Hebrews two says. And there might be a number of things that contribute to that conclusion. John takes a more obvious uh, twist on it, perhaps. He says, could it be the ranking or the fact that angels are in heaven and not on earth like men? So they're a little well, lower. Well, but that argues that heaven is literally, physically okay. up there, and we are physically, literally down here. Okay. Uh, David says, perhaps it, they can be in the presence of God. I think so that, that would make them higher. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, now, does that mean that we can worship them? Well, but, but again, lower than God. Oh, okay. Higher than men, lower than God. Revelation 19.10, John fell at the angel's feet to worship him, but the angel said, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when John attempted to worship an angel, the angel forbade him to do that. Uh, and so, in other words, they're not God. Angels are not God. They're, they don't possess the qualities and characteristics of deity, and therefore they are not to be worshipped. Right. So, again... Uh, higher than men, lower than God. What they are, and I have some notes here someplace if I can find them. What they are, what the, the word angel literally means messenger. And so angels are messengers of God. In other words, they are beings that go out on assignment by God to do, to deliver messages and do various things. I, I got a short list here. Well, Revelation chapter 19 shows you there's one of an angel being a messenger. Okay. Exodus 3, 2, an angel appears, yeah, Exodus 3, verse 2, an angel appeared to Moses. Luke 1, 13, an angel appeared to Zacharias to tell him the birth of John the Baptist. Matthew 1, beginning verse 20, an angel told Joseph not to put away Mary when she was found pregnant. Luke 2, 12 and 13, warned Joseph to flee from Herod. Luke 22, 43, an angel ministered to Jesus before his arrest. Matthew 28, beginning verse 1, the angel that was at the tomb when the women That's came correct. on the first day With of the week. Message. Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 10, when Jesus ascended to heaven, some angels told the men, why stand you here gazing into heaven? Mm -hmm. The same Jesus will return as you've seen. And so uh, just some examples of, of angels as messengers conveying message.
You know, and sometimes the word angel is applied to humans in the sense that they are messengers. The word angel just means messenger. The heavenly angels are messengers of God sent out on assignment by him. All right. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Well, I think of Hebrews 1, 7 says the angels, you know, God has said he maketh his angels. So it's telling us they are created beings and then they're his. And it says, and his ministers a flame of fire. So God uses them at his, they, they are at his beckoning call. Exactly right. Um, J- Jacob, are we up yeah. to break time? Well, let's take one more. Let's take our last break. And then when we get back, let's talk about what we know about their unique identities, the angels and the unique identities. Speaking and we've got to talk about guardian angels. Speaking of unique things about an angel, Kevin says angels do have an interesting attribute. They can be in the presence of God and yet stand before man. And so uh, that is an interesting attribute. And, and John mentions Hebrews 1.14 that Nick was just mentioning, ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. I want to bring that verse into play when we talk about... Mm. Maybe even toward the idea of guarding an agent. All right. You won't want to go anywhere. It's going to get exciting after the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the program, and we will remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can find uh, more information. Or collegeview.com. They both work. You'll find out more information about uh, the College View Church of Christ and this program if you'll visit our website. Dan is behind the controls tonight doing a great job. We appreciate him for being here. As we talk about demons... And angels on the program tonight. What about angels? A few more interesting facts about them. And then we've got to get to the question, are there guardian angels? What do you think about that? Real, John is waiting for your explanation of that, by the way. Okay, real quick facts. Um, they have the Angels have individual identity. That some, right. We know the names of some. The little, maybe, I, I always hate to refer to Bible trivia because I don't think anything about Bible oh, trivia. I don't like that either. But, but here's a question from the Bible. Uh, quiz question. Bible quiz question. Bible quiz. What, Bible, what angels do we know by name? Mm, Michael. Michael, the archangel. And? Gabriel. Gabriel. I think those are the only two. If anybody knows of others, that's the only two I could come okay. up with. The other, um, in, the other interesting thing that I've noted about angels is they're always masculine gender. You masculine. have the names as well as the word. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, there apparently is some order of rank among the angels because Michael is called the archangel right. in Jude verse 9, mm-hmm. or the highest angel. He's the archangel. So there must be a, 
sort of like that general, colonel, major, captain, lieutenant angels. That, that, is, that, is, that is plausible because we know there are many angels. Yeah, there are many of them. Hebrews 12, uh, two, uh, Hebrews 12, 22 says there's an innumerable company of angels. And Jesus said when they came to arrest him, uh, that he could call down 12 legions of angels to defend him if he wanted to, and he didn't. How many a legion? A whole bunch. Legion, a thousand? I don't know. It's uh, a 12, yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, we, of course, we mentioned already from Luke 20, verses 35 and 36, they don't marry. Uh, they have free will because in Second Peter 2, 4, God spared not the angels that sinned. They oh, sin. There you go. And Luke 6. Uh, uh, we, Jude we, 6. I mean, uh, Jude 6, we had reference to this earlier. They they didn't maintain their first. They kept not their first estate, left their own habitation, reserved in everlasting chains under darkness till the judgment of the great day. Uh, one of the things about angels, though, is that when they sin, apparently they don't have any avenue of forgiveness mm-hmm. as men do. Then, then. Now, they do have a great interest in the salvation of mankind. In Luke chapter, I would base this on Luke 15:10. I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Okay. In other words, they're, they're observing. They're watching. They know what's going on here. And they desire and, and, and men's they, salvation. They desire honestly. men's salvation as well. Okay, so they're interested in our salvation. But that raises the question concerning guardian angels. And Alan has been away from his computer. He's just rushed back to find the answer to the question, guardian angels, yes or no? Uh, well... I would. I, I'm going to leave. I, I I can't give a definitive answer on that. I don't think. And Nick, I don't know you got Nick, a definitive answer? No, I don't. He doesn't. Okay. <laughs> now here, here I will give you the verses that that make some people argue that there are. And we'll take your comments in the chat room. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? The Matthew, Matthew 18:10. In Matthew 18:10, it says, "Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven." So Jesus, when there were some children present, he said, uh, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, Matthew eighteen ten. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now, I don't have a really great explanation for that, but that's one of the verses that some people will use to argue in favor of that, that there are angels working on our behalf. And then the other one, the other one that strongly argues well, I don't know how strongly argues, but is used to argue the idea of guardian angels is the one that John is asking about in the chat room. Hebrews 1, 13, to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all, that is the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, one way to take that would be that they that God sends them out to help me personally obtain salvation. In other words, keep me from doing bad stuff, strengthen me, guide me. That's one explanation, although I don't really favor that explanation. I think that this suggests the role that angels have had, as we mentioned throughout the scriptures. As messengers. God sent them out as messengers to help implement his eternal plan. Even back when he sent an angel to speak to Moses, that was part of carrying out his eternal plan. When he sent an angel to Zacharias to tell him that John the Baptist was going to be born, that was a part of bringing to pass his eternal plan for the salvation of mankind. And so I'm inclined to think that that it says they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, refers to their role in God's bringing to fruition 
his eternal plan for the salvation of All right, uh, David is in the chat room, and he sends in Psalm 91, verse 11. Actually, David has sent in an email, and it's been at the bottom of our list. I got, I got it here. I okay, got it here. and we've, we, haven't, re, re, we haven't done he, it. He gives a rundown of what, uh, of what, what he knows. we know about angels. Yeah, read it. Uh, he says they're innumerable. He references Hebrews 20, 12, 22, and, and, and Matthew 26, 53, Daniel 7, verse 10. He references the name of Michael and Gabriel. Uh, Michael's an archangel. He references, again, his rank. They are created beings. He references Nehemiah 9, verse 6, Psalm 148, verses 2 and 5, Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17. They exist to praise and worship God and to do his bidding. They do not have bodies but can take visible form. They exist today. He references Hebrews 13, verse 2, Hebrews 1, verse 14. They appear in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. They are spiritual guardians. He references Daniel 10, verse 13, and Revelation 12, verse 7. Believers do not become angels, but rather like angels. He references Matthew 22, verse 30, Hebrews 12, 22, and 23. I think that's a good point. We will not be angels in heaven. Oh, you're not going to have wings? not going to become an angel. I think you're that's not a great point. you going to play a harp? No. Nope. Okay. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm not going to be an you're angel. Not have, okay. Angels uh, prepare the way, Genesis 24, verse 7, and angels have a free will. He references <laughs> Jude, verse 6. Now, I agree with you, David. Good points on all that. I appreciate that. those, David. Sorry that we overlooked those. And now in the chat room, he references Psalm 91, verse 11, as the answer to the guardian angels. And I believe that is a uh, messianic prophecy, at least it's uh, pre- uh, presented that way in the temptation to Jesus, where it says that he'll, his angels will have uh, take charge of thee, uh, that uh, his, he will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Psalm 91, verse 11, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash a foot, thy foot against the stone. I think that's well, perhaps not, not, that, not a messianic, but the, that's, the, the, that's the, not the devil, a messianic. The devil was using that to tempt Jesus. Satan used that to tempt Jesus in Matthew four. He was misusing the text. Correct. Psalm ninety one is not a messianic prophecy about Jesus. It's a it's a statement of God's protective care of those who faithfully serve Him, not just Jesus, although it would apply to Jesus, that's correct. But to all who faithfully serve Him, God will protect them. But it's it's a figurative passage. But do you think it's, that it's, it's uh, the angels there are literal? Uh, angels are literal, but I think that text, I think Psalm ninety one is a figurative text. Oh, because you've have uh, you've dashed your foot against a stone before. Yeah, and it, it says uh, uh, it goes on. Uh, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You you you're going to go into the lion's den, and just because. You, this of this promise? No, that's figurative. That's that's a figurative expression. So Psalm 91 uh, is is that's the passage that Satan misused to try and tempt Jesus. Uh, but that passage wasn't about Jesus exclusively. It was about any who faithfully serve the Lord. He will offer his protection. But it's a spiritual protection. It's a figurative explanation, and it's not literal. All right. Uh, Kevin has been doing some math in the chat room tonight. He says the idea that men come up with would mean that two angels might be necessary for each person, one for your left shoulder and one for your right shoulder. You heard, you know, the old, uh, maybe, well, there's a demon on the one shoulder and an angel on the right. He said that's a lot to be over 12 billion angels. Wow. Nick, you had an interesting point about what just one angel could do. Yeah, in Revelation 21, it's interesting to see the power that God uses. He said he sent an angel and binds Satan uh, there for a thousand years. So if one angel can do that, then it was, you mentioned a while ago about how many a legion. I know sometimes people say it's many, sometimes 6,000. But, you know, the Lord had uh, all those angels at his disposal. If one angel can bind Satan, 
Imagine what uh, tens so, of thousands of yeah, angels yeah, could do. Exactly. Uh, the other point is, as you know, when Hebrews 1 is saying they're, they're all ministering spirits set forth to minister, it says for them. It doesn't say to them particularly. And a lot of times that's the idea. But I think the idea of, of when the angel went and talked to Joseph about Mary uh, before Christ was born, you know, angels are being used there to bring our Savior into the world. Uh, at at uh, his um, temptation in the wilderness, it says angels came and ministered to him. So uh, certainly they are ministering agents of God, and they're bringing about salvation for mankind. They're working for the same purpose that God has sent them for when they're faithful. Okay, good. Good observation. Uh, in the in email from Robin, uh, he says, are angels, rest- his, his subject line in his email, angels restricted in what they know, question mark? And he references 1 Peter 1, verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, well, actually backing up to oh, the, in the context, yeah. it talks about prophets. Yeah. Uh, and it was revealed to the prophets that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Which things the angels desire to look into? The desire, the angels have a desire to look into the things of salvation. I wonder if that is an expression concerning the fact that angels are not privileged to have a means of salvation when they sin, and men are. That that might that might be that. Uh, And then another email. uh, He says. what about Luke twenty two forty three? Very interesting verse about an angel strengthening Jesus. Remember uh, before his arrest, leading to his crucifixion. In Luke twenty two verse forty three, uh, this was right after Jesus had prayed, "If be thy uh, father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done." And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, could it be argued from that episode that angels? might have a, an, a means of strengthening somebody today. I, I, I would probably argue, no, Jesus was a unique case. He, Jesus is not the only person in the Bible to whom an angel appeared. Plenty of people who, to whom angels appeared, and, and, who, and, they re, and the angels often revealed information to various individuals. Jesus was strengthened by an angel, but i got to think that that was a unique case there. Right. Not a typical one. Kevin makes an interesting observation, or Alan does actually in the chat room. Uh, says just the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by two angels is pretty powerful too. And uh, there is an interesting passage here in Genesis chapter 19, uh, verse 13. The angels say, "For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it." Interesting. I think John. I think we could wrap up this guardian angel question with John's comment in the chat room. The problem with believing the guardian angels are the many unanswered questions, such as how do they guard? Do they interact directly? Do they tell you to stop a given deed or do they make you stop the deed and so forth? And all those things are completely just unanswered. So I'm with John. That's why I don't think. If there is a guardian angel, what are they doing? How do they do it? And and I think we just have to say that we just have to leave that in the realm of things that we can't say with a definitive answer. Okay. We're out of time, Jacob. Well, we hopefully we just stayed on the things that we do know from the scriptures, and it is helpful to to get our hands around what the scriptures do tell us about demons and angels. Exactly, and uh, it's it's much more helpful to me and to us, I think, to talk about things that we know rather than to delve into speculation, Nick. Where 
we're just talking about things we don't have any answers to. That just ends, ends, leaves us confused and, and wondering. Whereas we have what the scriptures tell us, we can take confidence and, and trust in that. Yeah, and I, I like the result of what we've learned about angels uh, as far as the benefit to us rather than demons. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, well, we have a request for an encore. Kevin wants to talk about uh, uh, this topic again in the near future. So I guess, uh, well, Maybe it's we something can. we need to talk about. Maybe we can. All right. Well, we uh, had a good program. Nick, thank you for uh, filling in uh, in the in the hot seat tonight. Well, thanks for letting me be with you tonight. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Look forward to talking with you next week. And, Dan, thank you for being behind the controls. A job well done. Thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We look forward to talking to you again this time next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.